Smartcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We are now in and entering the age of balance between the feminine and the masculine. That, that is essentially the new age we're entering, is masculine and feminine both in balance. Welcome to the Liberated Healer podcast, where we touch on a variety of topics in the world of spirituality, energetic healing, and everything in between and beyond. Take an adventure on a shooting star with your host, Gina, offering wisdom, guidance, and everlasting love and support. Hi, this is Gina Cavalier, and another episode of the Liberated Healer podcast. Super excited to have John David Latta on today with us. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Gina. Thanks for the invitation. Happy to be here. Yes. So, um, I, um... You know, I get a lot of book submissions and I took four books with me to my vacation in Ireland for the holidays. And what your book was one of them. Yay. Synchronicity <laughs> of Love. And um, I got to sit in a quiet little um, place in Belfast and, and read most of it. And it was really beautiful. And I felt, you know, everything is about timing and energy for me. So it was just very um, overwhelmingly positive and cleansing. Um, so, um, a little bit about John David. He's a mystic, an author, um, and a former founder of a CEO of a multi-million dollar consumer products company. And he had just things that weren't working in his life and they were just lining up and I'll let you get into it and tell us about it. But you just had, you know, an enlightened moments or various moments. And then you went down this road. And the reason why I just want to bring this up in the beginning, and we're going to hear about your story is I'm really choosing to do a as many podcasts with men in this space, because mm. I feel men have a harder time expressing themselves in this area. And the more that um, we, we express this and, and invite them to the party, and then they understand that um, this is be, this is a strength, not a weakness. Yeah. And that um, I think it will help elevate all of us in the world because most women don't create wars. We fight them, but we don't create them. And I think that this energy uh, of the masculine is is needed to fall in love with at a different level that's in a masculine voice. And women can't speak in a masculine voice the way a man in your role can. So let's hear a little bit about your story. And I just wanted to get that out of the way at the beginning. Yeah. Let's uh, hear about your story and a little bit about this journey and book. Yeah. So, um, well, I'm going to tag onto what you said and said, say, that's where my book ends up. Like this whole journey into what I would call my feminine side, uh, as well as my spiritual side has been uh, enormously, uh, I'm enormously grateful for it now. But when I was going through it, you know, like a lot of times when you're in the, in the shit, so to speak, you know, uh, it's only with retrospect, you look back and you go, man, I'm really grateful for that. So um, my journey begins in this book about 20 years ago. And like so many people that had great transformation in life, it started with pure hell. <laughs> Don't know why that is. 
but it seems to be the way it is for a lot of people. And I was one of them. And um, so I was living what I thought was a relatively charmed life for about the first 40 years of my life, married two children. Um, I was a store manager for a large regional grocery chain and managed a number of different stores, had a lot of employees and a lot of responsibility. And um, out of the blue, my wife, who was, you know, in her thirties at the time and very healthy, got cancer. And it came on really suddenly, like it was, you know, it was just a routine check and the doctor felt a lump on her thyroid and thought, well, we'll just go in and you can live with half a thyroid gland. But when they went in, they found the whole thing was like stage four cancer. They took it out, a bunch of lymph nodes. And to this day, she has to take a pill every day just to survive. And um, and she started to change, started reading books about God and the meaning of life, books that, frankly, I'd avoided like the plague my whole life because I was devoutly anti-spiritual. And I wouldn't say anti-God, but I just didn't want to talk about it. And, um, and so I probably wasn't very supportive or didn't really know how to support her through that. And at that same time, I left my very secure job, when I was, which I was really good at, and started my own company. And in two years, managed to lose all of our money and a whole bunch more and was $650,000 in debt. I borrowed it against everything I could. The house, I mean, every penny was in the business. I had a quarter million in credit card, personal credit card debt. And, and then at the same time, I don't know where it come, came from. I had this unbelievable obsessive fear with death and I was terrified of it. And because I hadn't been religious or spiritual, I was sort of a part-time Catholic when I was a kid, but that was my entire background. I, I kind of identified with the body and I thought, well, when I die, the body dies, that's it. It's over oblivion forever. And I couldn't wrap my mind around oblivion and forever. And it seemed terrifying to me. And, and I had nobody to talk to about it because I didn't have spiritual friends. And, um, and I don't think I would have been brave enough to be vulnerable to even discuss it anyway. So I was in tears behind closed doors when nobody was looking. And then in the middle of it all, my wife leaves, decides she wants a whole new life. And, you know, she kind of had her little come to Jesus moment and she decided she wanted a whole new life. So now I'm a single dad, custody of my two kids, uh, a business that's inches away from going under in bankruptcy. And I'm a grown man, terrified of death. So I felt like suddenly overnight, bad husband, bad father, bad businessman, and a grown man terrified of death. That was the beginning of the journey. And then um, I had loved, I always loved Michael Crichton's books. I really identified with Michael Crichton. I liked the books he wrote. And a lot of people don't know, he wrote a nonfiction book called Travels. And it was a lot of, similar to the book that I wrote, a lot of short stories of events that happened in his life that sort of shaped his life. And he also went through a, um, kind of a horrifying midlife crisis. I mean, it sounds like a, like a little thing, but by the, in his, I think his early thirties, he'd achieved everything he ever wanted in life and had no idea what he was going to do for the rest of his life. So he decided to attend his first ever spiritual retreat. And it was with a teacher who was very popular in the seventies, eighties and nineties, uh, Dr. William Brew Joy. He went by his middle name, Brew. And Brew was a very eminent California physician who um, went through a huge change and became a spiritual teacher for the entire second half of his life. Well, I love Michael Crichton's stories there. And for somebody who was anti-spiritual, I sure kept reading that story over and over and over again. And then one day, just before the kids came home from school, I threw the book down after reading that story for what felt like the hundredth time. I ran to the internet. I wonder if this guy is still alive. And if he's still doing workshops and there he was, it seemed like he was teaching the same dang thing that Michael Crichton went to 20 years earlier. 
I signed up on the spot. I justified it, said a couple thousand dollars isn't going to matter. You're so deep in debt. If you go bankrupt, it won't matter in the end anyway. And right out of the gate, after I signed up, the synchronicities began. And mind you, I didn't know what the word meant. Let's call it coincidences. You know, I'm flying down there on the plane. And as the plane is touching down, I look over and the woman next to me is reading Brew's book. And there's like 180 people on the plane. And the only two people going to this retreat on the plane are me and her. And she was this cute little grandmother from Kalispell, Montana. And she goes, well, you look normal. And I'm like, well, you look normal too. Okay, I guess this is going to be okay. Because there was a lot of fear. I'd never been to a spiritual retreat. Um, and I chose a guy who was decidedly intelligent and unguru-like uh, on purpose. But, you know, talk about ego identity. It was sort of like the, the Nazi skinhead decided he's going to go hang out with all his black neighbors. It was that difficult for me. And um, so I'll take a breath here, but that's how it all began. Everything in my life began to change from that day forward. Yeah. And your book is Synchronicity of Love. And right. um, that I had a, a, a great person on the other day who has an amazing book all about guides. And one section of her book is that spirit is constantly trying to get you to, um, you know, get deeper into yourself. And they'll find anything. And everybody has a different thing, right? Sound. Yeah vision or whatever and actually synchronicity is a big part she has a big section about it so i yeah. kind of uh i think you know from what i could tell got talking to her and looking at what you it was like it had to get you just like no what you feel like this is too coincidental it's not making sense and it maybe shattered your intellectual mind so you can go inward that's a perfect you know i'd never thought about that but you know i had a really highly developed math mind, not in theoretical math, but in really practical math, both as a businessman and as somebody in his younger days hung out a little too long at the at the horse races and was taking all this data in my mind and trying to calculate odds on, you know, which horse was going to win. And so I had a really good, strong sense of what I would call probabilities. <laughs> over and over again, I was like, oh my God, what are the chances that would happen? Oh my yeah. God, that just happened again. And and literally, the teacher, if I were at that first workshop, what he focused on over and over and over again was unconditional love in the heart center. He yeah. goes, that's what I teach my beginning students, my advanced students, and my advanced, advanced, advanced students. And so that's how I came up with the title of the book, The Synchronicity of Love. The more I kind of hung out in that space of love in the heart center, the more these sort of coincidental, miraculous, serendipitous, synchronistic type of things started to happen in my life that my puny little brain could never figure out. <laughs> and then, I mean, you had the craziest synchronicity happy, happen at this event. Yeah, right yeah. out of the gate. So I, I read Michael Crichton's story and I was excited about it, but right out of the gate, my roommate, so my wife left me for another guy. And obviously that was painful. And my roommate is the other guy, not the same guy, but he was in a relationship with another gal where she left her husband for my roommate. And so you can imagine a little bit of like, what the hell? I don't want this guy to be my roommate. And then I get paired up in groups with a woman who's about the same age as me and my wife. And when she goes, gets back from the retreat, she's planning on leaving her husband and shopping. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I don't want this woman for my partner. You know, I'm trying to get away from all this. And so I didn't have a lot of crazy spiritual experiences, but I learned, I think for the first time in my life, what I would call compassion. And, and it was so, I was so grateful because I came out of it 
not angry at my ex-wife, not angry at my situation, a little feeling like I was flailing, you know, obviously with no money and suddenly I've got custody of two kids, but it was, that was one of the, I call it the three seeds that were planted in me there was uh, compassion and something that I continue to learn. I continue to have dreams about. I continue to have dreams guiding me to even this person deserves compassion. And, um, and if you remember my book, there's three or four chapters about compassion for the president of the United States and compassion for great spiritual teachers, you know, and that nobody's journey is easy. Uh, I concur. And that is a great message just to remember as much as possible, um, to step outside of ourselves everywhere you go. Um, and reel that in, you know, with the, cause that is energy that you can throw. People, a lot of people that I run into, they're like, well, what does my thought have to do with like, I'm looking at someone on television. You're putting that constantly out into the ethos. And yeah. collectively, if they, more people do that, it does become an uh, energy source. So I want to go back just a second. I just want people okay. to, to recognize what you said there, though, because when I read your book, I was like, no way. <laughs> you were in this is your first thing coming out. You're at rock bottom. Your roommate is the actual man that your wife left you for. Well, not the actual man, but okay. he was he was um, in a different relationship. He was the version of the other guy. Oh, okay. He was the one that the wife left for I see. Uh, his current wife. So, yeah, sorry. Boy, that would have been really synchronously. Like, holy moly. <laughs> but knowing my life, I wouldn't be surprised if that would have happened someday. But, um, yeah, no, it was, um, I was with the other guy, not the exact other guy, but, and, and he actually shared with me that after a period of time, he's in pain. His wife who left her husband for him, she's in pain. There are other kids involved, you know, and, and they're different relationship. And I was like, suddenly my eyes were open, like, wow, in some ways everybody's in pain. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a good, um, thing to remember too, when you're going through something really difficult yeah. that. Because it is, you know, you play the story over and over in your psyche. Yeah. And then it's hard to see, well, that person is actually going through something as well. Yeah. Like, how can we come together in peace? Okay. So what what was the next kind of big? Well, so um, at the retreat, the teacher, Brew, focused a lot on dreams. He thought they were sacred. And he gave an exercise for people to remember their dreams. And he acknowledged not everybody's visual, not everybody that dreams remembers and or can see their dreams. And the exercise was this, uh, when, you know, put a recording device or a notebook or a pen next to your bed. And as you're laying there starting to fall asleep or you feel yourself starting to drift off, he goes, imagine yourself walking up to the edge of a really tall cliff, like the Grand Canyon at nighttime. And you take off all your clothes completely naked, stand back with your back to the abyss and you fall backwards in total trust and ask for a dream. And so I started to do that. And I had maybe a, I could remember three seconds of a dream. It was, you know, me on a raft going through a rainforest in the Amazon. Boom. That's all I could remember. And next day, a little more, next little more. I don't remember what the period of time was, maybe a week or two. And suddenly, like I had dreams like nonstop. I was writing down five dreams a night. And so at some point I was kind of like, you know, I need some sleep here too. So I kind of had to find a balance between opening the floodgates to remembering my dreams and paying attention to them and, um, and getting some sleep. And so 
but the first thing I realized is, okay, I've got all these cool dreams. What the hell do they mean? You know, when you're not used to working with dreams and you're not used to working with the symbols of dreams and you're not used to working with your intuition, dreams can seem like some, you know, something like Alice in Wonderland. You know, I don't, they're cool, but what do I do with them? And so I joined a dream forum with a bunch of people and I learned a lot. There was, you know, a handful of really, really experienced, gifted people with dreams. And, um, and right, I would say if I were to summarize, what were the dreams showing me right of the gate? Like you might say, what was the overarching process I was going through? I was coming into my feminine. My dreams were full of women. Uh, a, a typical dream was I would dreamt I was back at my old job as a supermarket store manager, but now it's all being run by women. And I'm so confused. And they're like, it's okay, John, we're going to show you everything. <laughs> and so it's like this sort of rational, linear, competitive male is learning a completely different way of being in the world. And so, um, and so fast forward about two years, uh, mind you, I owned this large consumer products company that was bleeding cash, but thankfully, weirdly, the day I signed up for the retreat, the bleeding stopped. Now, I shouldn't say stopped. It just didn't get worse. And for the next two years, I barely got by, like just by a thread financially. But I had the chance to sell um, our products on QVC, the home shopping network. And I was excited. I'd never been on live TV in front of a group of people before. And they said there would be 700,000 new viewers every 60 seconds. And so essentially, I was going to go on, have a casual conversation about the products, like just talking to the neighbor over the back fence but repeat the sales pitch every minute because there's so many new shoppers every minute. Wow. Um, I sold a fair amount of product, not great, but not terrible, kind of just average. Uh, I was excited. I go back to my hotel room in Philadelphia and um, I can't sleep. I have all this joy in my body and I, I'm assuming it's because I didn't screw up on live national <laughs> TV, And uh, but I can't sleep. And plus I'm on the East Coast. My body's still on Seattle time. And finally at midnight, I start to drift off and I have this giant orgasm in my root chakra, my perineum area. And it just, and it just, it goes through my whole body. I use the term orgasmic honey is what it felt like. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell was that? And a few minutes later, all through my body again, again and again and again. And so half of me is just like, what the hell is going on? And the other half of me is, I don't know, but it sure feels good. <laughs> it was unbelievably pleasurable. And it went on for maybe a few hours. And finally, at 3 a.m., my practical mind, I jump up. I'm shaking all the energy off my extremities. I'm like, I need to sleep. I have to get up at 5 a.m. to fly home. And so <laughs> I think I slept maybe an hour or two, get on the plane. And so I emailed a bunch of people from that first retreat that I thought would know more than me. Like, what the hell's going on? Because I, I really was kind of a spiritual newbie. I didn't read a lot of books and I didn't know about energy. And they all said the same thing. It said, well, sounds like Kundalini rising. You should look it up. So I looked it up and that gave me a little peace and went, okay, that kind of sounds like what's going on. And, um, and so what happened from that day forward, about every second or third night, I would call it the energy would come. And it would be beautiful and blissful, but sometimes painful. Sometimes it felt like those you know, heart paddles, when, you know, on your chest. Like sometimes it was incredibly painful. Um, and I was full of visions of goddesses and serpents. Good thing I'm not afraid of snakes because there was tons of big cobras. 
I had the best sex of my life night after night with these beautiful goddesses of all sizes, age, shapes, races, you know. And so, you know, some people call Kundalini uh, feminine energy, creative energy, earth energy, primal energy, sexual energy. And, and that is how I experienced it. And I was sort of just immersed in this about every second or third night. And I was really grateful. The energy knew exactly what it was doing because they would give me a night or two off to kind of catch up on sleep because I still had kids. I'm still coaching their teams. It felt so surreal. I'm a businessman running this consumer products company, having these crazy experiences. And um, boy, and that's when life really started to take off was when that started to happen. Well, guys, I think that um, you are going to be seemingly handling, uh, bringing in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, understanding if they understand that embracing the feminine is going to help in that area yeah um, because um that makes a lot of sense to me too because um you know women have to embrace the masculine a lot especially in business yeah and um sometimes they have to embrace it too much to where they have to become um harder and those those women usually wind up not having relationships at the end of their life because they've had to become too masculine. But those are the ones that usually see being CEOs of big companies and things like that. And now they have to learn how to get their feminine back. But so that it is like an incredible balance. I love how, um, I love the visions too of the goddesses and stuff. I've been doing a lot of work. I'm learning about goddesses, even though I was, that was also an area where I was like, Oh, that's a little bit too much woo-woo for me. Is it going? To... <laughs> but now that I'm learning about it and interviewing these people and understanding what it it is the storyline behind it, but it really is just an energy. Um, and I love that it was all different shapes and sizes, and that you said that because again, our society for it is constantly putting out this um, oh, narrative that we have to fit into a certain box, even as a feminine. You know? Yeah. And, um, so many people are depressed because they don't fit into that one box that they give us, you know, and to recognize that every single one of us at every age and every stage of our life has our own, you know, we need to honor our temple. And so I really appreciate that description. Um, you know, I, I want to tag onto something, Gina. Um, so I read a lot of books about Kundalini and all of them are fairly similar, but I read a one that kind of just blew my mind. It was written by a woman and she said all the other books about Kundalini, you know, uh, and you know, there's this sexual energy. There's a lot of, you know, if you're visual, a lot of dreams of goddesses, it's a feminine energy, blah, blah, blah. She goes, that wasn't my experience at all. I already was highly feminine. She goes, I think Kundalini is balancing energy. And she goes, for me, what came through was all the masculine. And, um, and so it's kind of a fascinating thing because in the Hindu tradition, the, the, um, the Shakti, the feminine principle arises, you know, in the root chakra perineum area and goes through and purifies all the chakras and goes all the way up to the crown and enjoys union with Shiva. So the, the male and female enjoy union together. And, and so, but she said, I, I actually believe that's true, but some people, the balancing energy is they need more masculine. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, I thought that was kind of really cool. And since I was very one-sided, I think that's why my dreams and experiences were so extreme because it felt so foreign and different to me. Wow. I love that you said that because my experience with Kundalini is, was neither. Um, my, 
my first experience with Kundalini was I went to Saturn and I was able to play with the planets. I could stick my fingers in all of the rings around Saturn and I was, I was flying through the stars and I felt the energy of the stars. Um, because I kind of have a balance of male and feminine. I've always kind yeah. of that, like a little yeah. bit one boy, but a little bit girly, you know? So I already kind of felt like I already had that. So I, right. for whatever reason, when I got full into Kundalini, I would literally go up to the stars. Wow. Be able to see and feel Jupiter and, and things like, so, you know, thank you for reminding me about that as well, but that makes sense now. So you've got this influx of feminine cause you really needed it. Right. And she got this influx of male because she needed that, you know, yep. but it can be planets. It can maybe even be nature. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I think, yeah, it's, you're right. You know, I like you kind of, you're kind of out playing in the cosmos, but somebody else might be just working with the earth element. You know what I mean? Because that's what they need. And so then how did you get to like writing this book and, yeah. and the, com- building of the community because again now you're you're shifting right and so you probably mm-hmm. lost a few friends who were like what are you talking about when you queer <laughs> and things like that and, right and there's a shift of people that no longer fit in this new version of yourself yeah and that's hard to do too mm-hmm. and that's a part of it though it's there's no good or bad it's just they don't resonate you, you're not you can't speak the same language anymore and I always feel like that's really hard for people too, because I hated to lose people in my life because I had, because of my childhood. So anytime I would lose them, they would actually take it personally through the spirit until I got a little bit more into the spirituality. I would like mourn and grieve over that friendship for months and months and months and, and try to fix it when it, what, you know, it's like taking two um, magnets and trying to push them together. Yeah. And it was you know, futile, but in my heart, I was like, I don't want to lose that person. You know? uh, so. Yeah. I, I, so I weirdly, I think I saw this in play all the way back when I was in retail and managing people. And I would see people that had been drinking and alcoholics and like, oh, excuse my French, fuck it. I'm quitting. I'm going to AA. I'm going to treatment. I'm quitting. Or I've been smoking weed every day of my life since I was 15. I'm going to quit. And they do, and they quit, and they're excited, and they're enthused about their life. But that's the painful part, is that um, all the people that maybe they used to party with all the time, they go away. And so I think sometimes that's what is the most difficult thing about giving up, say, drugs or alcohol or quitting some kind of addiction like that, is your whole life revolved around it. And it means creating a whole new life. And so I went through the same thing. I learned really quickly, like, I don't think I should be sharing these stories with everybody. It's, you know, I would get the, you know, them politely changing the subject or looking at me like I was weird. It's like, you know, I thought it was the most exciting and thrilling thing imaginable. And so I quickly developed a community of what I would call spiritual friends, not necessarily uh, where I live, but, you know, you find them online. And so I have a, a handful of people I talk to. And um, that is an ongoing, ever-evolving thing. I think if you are uh, engaged in expansion or evolution and it's moving a little faster than your friends and family around you, yeah, there's a good chance your friends and your relationships are going to change. Uh, I've been at this long enough now after 20 years that it's, it's okay. I mean, I see the friendships come and then 
even sometimes my dreams will tell me like it's done now. So, and I, I try to hang on to them. It doesn't work. So, yeah. and then new people still come into the, your life. So you still have the dreams as a conduit for information for yourself? Yeah, that's still my primary source, uh, without a doubt. Um, it most of the time, not always, and this is probably in alignment with somebody talking to their guides or getting asked for some guides. If I sit down peacefully, like in meditation, and I ask a sincere question and a clear question, I almost always get an answer. And it will come in the source of a knowing or a vision. Sometimes a song will be playing in my head. That's like, there's, you know, I know you. I view ex- how you experience, but sometimes, you know, people call them guides. Some people call them angels, but I think sometimes they're really humorous. <laughs> you know, it's like, don't take life so seriously. Here's, I'm going to put this song in your head. And it's always the perfect song, even though it's some random song, you know, that's not even a song I ever listened to. I love that. I get this random um, parts of songs as well. All of a sudden I'll just be singing it. And I was like, this feels so good. You know, like, yeah. You know, no mountain can beat me or whatever. You're like, you just need that in your head for that one minute, thing like that. It's funny, but it's not from memory either. That's that's the thing is it's not some song I used to listen to when I was a teenager that made me happy. It was a song I'd heard before, but never actually really listened to. And it's the perfect song. And sometimes I'll go and look up the lyrics and just crack up like, oh, my God, you guys. So then, you, so you went and you put this book together and yeah. um, what else did you, is there anything else you kind of want to touch on with the book experience? Yeah. So the reason I wrote the book was I felt very grateful that Michael Crichton wrote his book, Travels. And um, in, in, if I had to pick one book that kind of set me on my journey, it was that book. And I, I identified with him because he was this highly intelligent male who was kind of dismissive of spirituality and things like that. He goes to a spiritual retreat, has a lot of cool experiences, learns to be clairvoyant, like he's seeing energy around people and things. And, um, and then uh, over time, he decided, I'm going to explore every single thing I've been defensive about or defended against and go decide for myself what it's all about. Turned out Michael was highly psychic, highly oh. sensitive. Even in the early days, psychics would tell him that. And he goes, well, that's proof that these psychics don't know anything. I'm not psychic. Oh, my God. He was highly psychic. And years later, he was out on ships using psychic abilities with others to try and locate sunken Spanish ships from, you know, 100, 200 years ago out in the Caribbean. I mean, it's just that. And so I wrote the book to share my stories. And all you rigid, rational males, it can be women, too, who think you know it all, but you feel a little stuck. I I just want to encourage people, like, open your heart, open your mind, go explore something new. There's like this whole other world out there. And there was a quote at the beginning of Michael Crichton's book that said, some evening, take a step out of your house, which you know so well. Enormous space is near. I love that quote. Oh my! God. And so my book was just me giving back uh, and trying to say, you too could have your version of this journey. Just be bold, open your heart, open your mind, try something new, see what happens. And I find when you're... Before you get onto that journey, your life feels very limited, right? Because yeah. you, you have like a to-do list or in your mind, you know, of goals. You know, I got married, I did, you know, and those are just kind of set upon us from, you know, our ancestors, recent ancestors, you know. Um, and and when you start to open that up, like all the 
all the walls fall down and yeah. you become limitless. Yep. And anything that you have a desire or a passion, uh, for example, even me with my podcast, it's, it's a full desire and passion to meet people like you and to know people around the world and to spread the messages that some one person might need to hear that day and say, you know what? Uh, my one sister or something has been talking about this. I'm going to see if she can uh, invite me to that thing that we were talking about like that or, or whatever. But they're little baby steps too. You don't, but you, you don't have to go from, you know, one part all the way to, you know, going to these events and stuff like that. It really is just a baby steps and you got to start yeah. some. Yeah. And I always tell people, just pick one. You know, some people, when they get excited, they've had like a mini experience. And they're like, oh, I want to go do this. And I want to go do that. I'm going to do yeah. this person <laughs> with that person. Uh-huh. Well, them that they're going to overload sensory yeah. with that information. Like it's going to be too much of a download. And then they're going to have a growth period, which I call as a growth period with too many things happening at one time. I mean, yeah. so. I've definitely had to learn moderation, Gina. So. <laughs> Very yeah, much value moderation. Up. Yeah. Because it opens the floodgates and you're like, yeah. well, yeah. you want to experience it all the time. Once you, like you were saying, then you were like, well, I have to work sometime. <laughs> you know, I think um, I read there was a spiritual teacher, uh, David Spangler, who used to be really popular in the 70s and 80s, 90s. Well, it's one of the original founders of Finhorn and um, probably the new age, new thought movement. And he talked about, he goes, you know, I had spiritual experiences 30 years ago. And in his words, I'm still trying to unpack it. And so that's the other thing is um, the experiences are wondrous and they're beautiful, but they're sort of like, okay, now how can I digest and embody the wisdom that's contained in all those experiences? And that, in my opinion, can take the rest of your life, if not lifetimes. And I still experience that now. I had so many experiences. I'm still learning to what I would call embody and live the wisdom of all those experiences. And are you remarried now? Yes. And so you, you this relationship unfolds in a completely different way than your other your other. Wife. Yeah, it was unbelievably synchronistic meeting. Like it was just kind of cracking up like, okay, here's your, here's the next phase in your life, John. Okay. So yeah, it's, uh, and, and her and her life too, a whole variety of circumstances that led us together right here, right now. You guys are perfect for each other right now. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? It well, is coming, beautiful. Coming up on Valentine's day and you know, which, you know, I, I used to be like oh, another day that Hallmark made. Now I'm like, no, why don't we just as many days as they want to give us about love? Let's talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there anything you kind of want to leave uh, us out with or I don't know, a message or meditation or anything? Um, maybe not a meditation. Um, I think the thing I, I would tag on to what I said earlier, I, I think, you know, um, it took a lot of courage on my part to sign up for that first workshop. But if I was being honest with myself, I was so excited about reading Michael Crichton's experiences there. And so I think I would tell everybody to reach way down deep inside. And, and uh, sometimes your deepest desires are buried beneath eons of fear. And, but pay attention to those desires and be brave enough to follow those desires. And that's what I did. It, it probably doesn't seem like any big deal to maybe a lot of your listeners to sign up for a spiritual retreat, but believe me, that took a lot of courage on my part. And 
everything in my life changed after that. Mm, I'm so happy. And this is the synchronicity of love. And you can find it on um, John David Latta, L-A-T-T-A dot com or other places, I'm sure. Yeah. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target and Walmart, too. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of surprised. <laughs> And so, you know, buy this for your man if he doesn't want to stir. You know what I mean? <laughs> I really believe that other men that were kind of in that situation can really help bring along. Um, and we need the masculine to kind of join us a little bit more. So I applaud that and uh, like wrapping it up from the beginning. I would like, say one more thing. Yeah. So um, I more than one person has talked about this, but it's funny. You know, I have a friend, Tom Canyon, who lives up on Orcas Island. And Tom channels the Hathors. I don't know if you've heard of the Hathors and, you know, these high dimensional beings who live on Venus, beings of love. And Tom channels a lot of things. He's got a nearly four octave voice sound healer and, uh, you know, world famous guy. And the Hathors talk about 10,000 years ago. I might not get the numbers exactly right. We were a primarily, you would call it feminine, matriarchal species. And then about 5,000 years ago began what he called, they called the age of the autonomous male. And so, and, and by, you know, the feminine being very relational and very connected to each other, connected to the planet, like where there's almost not even a sense of individuality, we're so interconnected. And then came the age of the autonomous male, which is beautiful in itself, but it also that sense of feeling connected to other people, connected to nature, mostly lost. We are now in and entering the age of balance between the feminine and the masculine that that is essentially the new age we're entering is masculine and feminine both in balance can you find that autonomous part of yourself that's in their sovereignty and authority and that interconnected part of yourself um and so i and i it's funny i that was the conclusion of my book it wasn't very sexy it's like wow after all those experiences where are you now well i think there's a pretty good balance between masculine and feminine that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly want to look up your friend. Um, that sounds very interesting as well. Yeah. He's got a cool website with a lot of amazing articles on it. Okay. And Tom Canyons, you said? TomCanyon.com. Yeah. Well, we're going to check that out as well. Yeah. We get all the extra information. Um, you know, some of the information that comes way down in those times, you know, we could use for now. And, yeah. you know, for um, promoting peace and, you know saving people's lives is actually what is happening because people get down into the dumps. Um, you were talking about people that, you know, have addictions and you were saying, um, you know, you mentioned something that kind of had a synchronicity with me is my, my last partner had smoked pot since he was 15 every day. Mm -hmm. And, um, we were working and we're not together anymore as of just recently, but, we were working on, I was talking about that a lot and how that has just numbed that part, some part, like when you have to do that every single day, yeah, that there's no balance anymore. And um, so addiction is one of the big, big things I'm going to be writing in my book too. But, it, you know, something we just want to bring up as much as possible, if that is something that anybody has in their life, I mean try to really balance that and work on that. And there's a lot of resources, you know, from Al-Anon or whatever it is, I don't even know, but, you know, I just support that conversation because that's where people really get held up. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I think 
I, having been to a few AA meetings myself, not for me, but on behalf of others, it's actually beautiful. I mean, yeah. this unbelievably, I mean, there really is a sense of love and no judgment in the room, which a lot of people never experience in their life. Um, and, and the fact that it's been around for all these years and it's entirely volunteer run blows my mind. It's yeah. a, yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. I'm going to even start going to Al-Anon again when they get settled, but it's, yeah. it's because it's the same non-judgmental yeah. like thing. Well, thank you so much, John. It was great to have you today. And we cavalier at the Liberated Healer and all the links for John's book will be uh, right below. And uh, let us know if you have any comments or questions. Thank you for your support. Bye, Cornell. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find us online at theliberatedhealer.com, on Instagram at Liberated Healer Podcast, or on Facebook at The Liberated Healer. Give us a follow, subscribe, send us a message if you so feel, and thank you for your support. Podcast. Yes.